Eugene Carroll has won twice. Donald Trump has, I think, had to pay the first amount. I don't know if he's paid yet the second amount, but she doesn't have any of the money. I think the court or the state holds the money until all appeals are exhausted. But I'm reading from the New York Post here, and it says, inside a federal courtroom in Manhattan, Humphreys explained how she had analyzed the publicity surrounding Donald Trump's defamatory statements. She spoke at length about reputation repair, using a mix of social media marketing metrics and basic math to arrive at an approximate cost that was something of an awkward construction, how much it would cost E. Jean Carroll to counter the spread of Trump's lies by purchasing equivalent TV and online content. Humphreys turns online impressions into dollar figures. And this is about the first $5 million settlement or, or settlement, the amount. And that was she came up with $2.7 million, which was close to the amount in that $5 million that the jury agreed upon. Of course, the second amount, because he defamed her again afterwards, is much, much larger. Ashley Humphreys is a professor at the Medill School of Journalism. Ashley, thanks for joining us on WGN. Of course, my pleasure. Is this an area that you write about or talk a lot about? How is it that E. Jean Carroll's attorney found you? Uh, yeah, so I have a book on social media, um, and I study social media broadly. I, I'm a marketing professor, so of course I also know how to run campaigns to change people's attitudes about reputation, amongst other things. So they reached out to you, and then... Just talk a little bit more about how you came up with the amount, $2.7 million in the first case. Sure. So the way you do this is pretty straightforward. The first question is, how many times was the statement seen? Um, so you need to base, you know, any corrective messages on how many, how broadly did that first statement circulate? How broadly did that first statement, which statement are you speaking about in that case? Um, so actually, well, this was the first case, but yeah, it yeah. was uh, a subsequent statement. Uh, here you only have one thing that Donald Trump said, and it's kind of an interesting exercise to see, well, if the president or former president says something, how many people see that? Um, and I can tell you, you know, in this case, um, over uh, almost 100 million people saw the um, that first set of statements made in June 2019. Like where he called her a whack job or something like that? Yeah, they're not my type, and oh my gosh, um, they're not my type. Really? Like okay. Yeah. The, the not my type thing was um, maybe the the grossest thing, but uh, I don't know that it was sufficiently relevant to the case to be quote unquote injurious. He said a mean thing about her, but to say she's not his type doesn't make her a liar per se. Uh, but you took those statements, you calculated how many times they were seen. What on his Truth Social, on Twitter, stuff like that. Yeah, so you basically add up how many times they were broadcast on social media, like Twitter, on regular media, like online news, NewYorkTimes.com, Fox News, etc., and you, you add it all up. You, I guess, are doing as good a job as you can finding all of the places where it was posted or shared. That's kind of a, uh, sounds to me like an arduous task. There's myriad of ways for that to get out there, right? Yeah, you know, it's actually not hard. And the reason is because of advertising. So because people want to sell, companies want to buy advertising, um, the number of viewers on most programs and even most online channels is pretty easy to, to find through public sources. Hmm. Okay. So what was the number you came up with for that first set of statements then? 
Um, so these are the statements that were just at issue in this this case that we just concluded. Um, that was between $85 million and $100 million. And just to be clear, you know, that was actually, we took out the not my type statement uh, statement from that calculation. 85 to 100 million people or views, is that what you're saying? Views, yeah, that's right. So one person may have seen the statement more than once. Um, although I did another calculation, I don't think the number of people who saw that multiple times was that great. Okay, so we're talking about the second case now in which the total was over $80 million, right? Um, well, the, my suggested amount was between uh, $7 million and $12 million. Were you surprised that the number came in so much higher then? No, not at all. I mean, in, in this statement, in this case that just concluded, these were the very first statements made, Mr. Trump made about this issue, and they were reported very widely in the media. Um, if anything, I was surprised the number was so low, and that's really because of the conser- conservative approach of Ms. Carroll's legal team um, and my own analysis. Well, why did you suggest a number that was lower than the what came in? Why were you so conservative about it? You know, there are things that it's just hard to include. So Facebook, for example, we didn't include the circulation of that statement on Facebook, even though it was there. Um, and it's just less transparent than Twitter. Uh, I wanted to be absolutely sure that there was complete transparency in the methodology and all the counts. And so there were some things we just didn't and couldn't count. So 85 to 100 million views, say, of those statements is conservative. It would have been seen many more times than that, probably. I mean, Facebook, my Lord, Facebook is huge. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, for instance, another example is there's an AP News story where um, they covered his statement. We included one instance of that, even though, as we know, AP News stories get circulated throughout the world. All right. So then say you've got a number and it's uh, 87 million. Um, Then what's the value of those instances? How do you calculate the the harm done by 85 to 100 million views? Right. So there you have to imagine that um, for, well, first of all, we need to understand how many people would have actually believed that statement, how many people were inclined or open to believing statements by Mr. Trump. You know, obviously not everybody in the world is going to believe um, what he says. And so it was important to take a discount of that. Um, I'll save you all the legwork. About one in four <laughs> of those impressions were open to believing the statement. I guess so then you're looking. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, there's plenty of surveys out there about how many people believe the election was stolen or believe things yeah. Donald Trump says, though the facts seem to belie that. So somehow or another, you came up with one in four people believed what he said, that she was lying. Keep going. Yeah, we're open to believing it. You know, okay. um, obviously, they'd never heard Miss Carroll before, many of them. And so, you know, they were open or receptive to believing Mr. Trump's claim. Um, and that you then consider your target audience. Right. So. If you wanted to change the attitudes of that particular group of people um, to restore Ms. Carroll's reputation, how much would it cost? And from there, it's kind of just a marketing exercise where that group is your target audience. Boy, that seems to me to be um, a specific group, though, that would be difficult to move off the dime, right? These aren't neutral people. These are people who are, they love Coke, and you're now going to tell them Pepsi is better. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. I mean, it's a mix. I think, to be fair, it's a mix of some people are you could never change their minds. It doesn't matter how much advertising you show them. Um, Some people, I believe, are persuadable. And how would that that marketing or messaging take place? Are you talking about a television campaign or uh, Internet impressions? What what are you talking about? 
Not exactly. So I think the most important thing to realize is a campaign like this, a hypothetical campaign admittedly, would occur where the message would come from a trusted source. Um, somebody like an influencer online. It would be more like a public relations campaign mm-hmm. where um, the, somebody who you already believe is going to share this message. Um, and there are lots of political influencers on both the left and the right that one could hypothetically utilize. So regardless of what the jury said, what's your estimation all in of the two instances, the original trial for sexual assault and then him defaming her after the fact? He got whacked twice, first $5 million and then over $80 million. What do you think the total cost would be for her to repair her reputation? Uh, between the both cases? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think if she were to do this, and again— Pretty conservatively, I think it would cost her twelve million plus about two million more. So I'd say just shy of fifteen million dollars. But the amount that there the, the, was awarded was uh, over eighty-five million dollars. That's right. Yeah, as I understand it, where I'm just my job is to do compensatory damages. So what would it cost to kind of restore her reputation? And punitive. My job damages, is not yeah. to su- yeah. My job is not to suggest what would punish. Mr. Trump. Um, and I, I wonder, though, if the calculation is a little skewed in that how many people are the president of the United States saying these things and how relatively anonymous was she at the time that he said those things? To have suffered a sexual assault is a horrible thing, but that's not at play here. It's rather how much was her reputation damaged? I didn't even know about her. So I, right. wonder, I wonder if that sort of discounts the amount that should be paid. Right. It's sort of to the contrary. You know, she nobody knew about her. She was relatively anonymous. And now the only thing you know know about about her her, and the only thing they know about her is this. I had a similar case. Um, I was uh, an expert witness in uh, the case of Mr. Giuliani as well. And there was even more egregiously the case where two people, these um, election workers, were completely unknown, you know. Um, Yeah, right. Oh, so you were involved in the damage calculation for that as well? Yeah, that's right. And what was the number on that? That was enormous. What was the number on that? It's I tend to forget these things as soon as they happen. Um, I believe the top number there was $48 million. So those circul- those impressions circulated very, very widely. Which almost doesn't matter in Giuliani's case. He doesn't have $48 million, And one wonders if these people will ever see the money anyway. Donald Trump has a better ability to pay. Do you think then that what you've done is going to be used more widely, you know, outside of the Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani world, but just average Americans who say awful things about each other and hurt their reputations? Are people going to start to rely on your kind of work more often? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note that social media makes these situations more possible, more likely. Um, I'm not a lawyer in defamation, right? So I have no place in saying what claims are or are not defamatory. Um, but I think this is happening more commonly. Um, you know, the way that we measure these things and the way that we kind of would conduct these campaigns and calculate the cost, that has existed for a very long time. And now we're just kind of seeing the application of that methodology to this new 
Yeah. New problem. Yeah. Well, I guess a jury of your peers then gets to decide. I mean, there is um, random isn't the right word, but maybe subjectiveness is in that you're making calculations about one and four and guesstimations about how persuadable they are. And then what would the true cost be? And, and, you know, how important was her reputation before and after? Those are all very subjective considerations, aren't they? You know, in my report, it's based all on publicly informational, uh, public information data. Um, How many people are measured to to watch this program? Um, What does this poll say by a nonpartisan third party? You know, all of that is is very well documented and sourced. And I'm kind of the person that puts it together. It's really interesting. Just fascinating, Ashley. I really appreciate your time. I'm Sure, E. Jean Carroll's attorneys do, too. And uh, we'll uh, maybe tap you again. This is really helpful. Thanks for giving us some of your time. Of course. My pleasure. Ashley Humphreys is a professor at the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern.